This morning we're talking about our house. We're talking about our home. And the home that will survive. The home that is built on the rock. Hudson Taylor said this statement, if your father and mother, your sister and brother, if the very cat and dog in the house are not happier for you being Christian, it is a question whether you really are. Now I think he went a little overboard because cats cannot ascertain holiness. I just It's not within their being to figure that one out. But you understand, he, he, was, he was going over the cliff there a little bit, trying to emphasize his point. This is a great quote by Oswald Chambers. The greatest benefits God has conferred on human life, fatherhood, motherhood, childhood, home, become the greatest curse if Jesus Christ is not the head. Today we are speaking about the home. I thought it would be very, very um, uh, integral, very... Um, poignant for us to start the year out for all of you who love New Year's resolutions and have already broken them in one week, that we talk about planning, we talk about purposefulness, we talk about our homes. And so I look forward to what the Lord will reveal to us today. Uh, here's a couple of things talking about homes or, or houses. Um, you may relate to some of this. Every family tree always produces nuts. <laughs> the best part of some family trees is underground. I put a mirror on my TV set. I wanted to see what my family looked like. We should say that about cell phones. This is some older stuff I've got here. Having a big family around is a good way to make sure there will always be someone to answer the phone and forget the message. Some statistics about where we're at. These are fairly um, old statistics. You would think with the internet we could get some newer stuff, but this is the best I could find. It's um, around 2007 to 2010. 44% of adults say that having a satisfying family life is their highest priority in life. 18% of people said that Completely understanding and carrying out the principles of their faith was the highest priority in their lives. 14% of men versus 18% of women. Men. Go to men's retreat so we can ramp up that statistic. 9 out of 10 parents of children under age 13, 85% believe they have the primary responsibility for teaching their children about religious beliefs and spiritual matters. While 11% said church is primarily responsible. So I'll just let you know how we feel about it. That you are responsible. I will tell you after, after decades of doing student ministries, not always the case, but more often than not, the students that had that solid formation of a Christian household were the ones that are now still serving the Lord and focusing on the Lord. Just understand, that's not always true. Alright? That's not always true. But the statistic definitely skews that way. Notice the statistic doesn't say, those who had a very spiritual youth group and a fantastic, expository, preaching, God-filled, Spirit-led church. doesn't say that. Now, are those important things? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. You'll see in the announcements today that we're moving down the path of, of forming our search committee. We have our first meeting coming up Wednesday night for our new student ministries director. Because we believe that it is important for there to be a place for students to gather in community and learn together, kind of in their own sphere, what it means to live out their faith and be given a safe environment to do that and an environment to be challenged. Because starting around that age, that's where they start listening to other people, don't they? That doesn't mean we as parents walk away. Absolutely not. That's the most important time in some respects. But we need to have that other voice. We need to have that other voice. Many of you have, have been integral in encouraging my son. Holly Gad disciples Gentry. I'm sorry, Holly Gad disciples Jericho and Rachel Bedros disciples Gentry. We were praying years ago for the voices that the Lord would lead into our children's lives. But the greatest voice, number one, is Christ. The second most important voice is the parent. So how's your home? How's your home? Let's, let's look at that this morning. We're talking about building our house on the rock. And I love some of these, uh, these pictures. How many of you like, would like to live there? You isolationists, you. So, turn in your Scripture to Matthew 7, if you will. And we'll look at this Scripture together. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand and we will bring that to you. We'll get that to you. But this morning, the Scripture is on the screen for you to examine and to look at. This is a statement by Christ as He was teaching... And he was talking about the significance of putting your heart onto those things that will last. Putting your decisions, putting your life into that which will not fail you. And as we look at this this morning, listen carefully. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. We see houses, we see homes that have had great falls. Now, many of us may be thinking in just the context of, okay, I gave a few stats about children and parenting. Folks, this is your house. Your house, your home, may be simply you currently. It may be you and a spouse. It may be you and way too many other people. I don't know who's in your house. But the idea is this. What have you built your house on? And will it stand? Or when the storm comes, like we've been singing all morning, are you building on Christ and Christ alone? So that when the storms come, 
What will be standing? What will be left? Recently in the fires uh, this past summer, um, John, what's the community up there by Healdsburg that, that so many, it just went through the whole town and, and destroyed businesses and so many homes? What town? Middletown. Middletown, yes, Middletown. And for some reason, there were homes right in the middle of a whole neighborhood that somehow weren't touched. And the news always focuses on that. Now, I don't, I don't know why some of those homes survived, but I want you to get that mental picture in your mind. Brothers and sisters, this world is here to destroy you. A mighty fortress is our God. Did you know that a majority, at least 50% of what we're singing in that song is about the enemy who seeks to destroy you? But those words that we sang this morning stated that because of Christ, because of God, that enemy is what? Is vanquished. Now the question is, who are we letting into our home? Who are we letting into our home? And so let's do some housekeeping this morning, shall we? And remember that this isn't necessarily about how you raise your kids, how you're working with your grandkids. This is about each individual and a great book or great piece of material to pick up, I'm going to encourage you, is called My Heart, Christ's Home. Is anybody familiar with that? My Heart, Christ's Home. It will be part of our counseling program. And, and there's a, uh, a poetic sense and a beautiful flow about an individual who has invited Christ into their home, and their home is categorized by their life. And they talk about the living room, they talk about the dining room, they talk about the study, and they talk about how Christ goes into each room, and all of a sudden they realize there's so much in those rooms that they're ashamed of. And they need to replace it. They need to let Christ replace what's in those rooms. And those rooms are compartments that are part of us, part of our life, part of our home. And so understand the illustration this morning. As we move through, understand that your home is standing strong. We've already read this statement by Oswald Chambers, and we've been in the passage already this morning, so let me get caught up real quickly. I love that picture too. How many of you uh, want to live there? It may be on a rock, but I'm not sleeping in the corner of that house. So building faith at home. Well, the problem is this. Who do you let into your house? And in Matthew uh, 12, 43-44, I'm just going to refer to it, and we have sermon notes. You can fill in the blanks on this and then come to Life Group throughout the week and, and, uh, and we'll give a little bit more thought and detail. Bring questions to those Life Group sessions for us to discuss what we're talking about. And, and this could be one of the Scriptures that we look at in more detail. But for now, let me share with you that Jesus is speaking to the heart. And he gives a story, he gives a metaphor, and he's talking about a demon that is exposed and he is cast out from someone's heart, from someone's soul, right? From someone's spirit. And it says that the person was better for it. Christ says that the person is better for it. We've We've done some house cleaning. And then he focuses on the enemy and he talks about how that demon went to and fro throughout all the earth And did he find an apartment? Lisa's looking for an apartment right now. She's desperately looking for a new home. I told you this would work today for you. And uh, but here the demon is searching all over for an apartment. Maybe he's trying to get in at Walnut Creek and it's just compacted. He can't get in, and he's looking for a place. And what does Jesus say? He goes right back to where he was. 
because he finds a nice, clean, open space. And he just enters in. But he doesn't just enter in. He finds it so nice and realizes that there's not a whole lot of vacancies out there. He calls up a bunch of his friends and says, come on over. i got plenty of room. There's nothing that's filling this space. And Jesus' point is this, is that He says, here is your problem. You may repent from something and you may be casting out those things that are not good, but unless you fill that heart, unless you fill your spirit with that which is good, you have a wide open vacancy for that sense of evil to come back. That sense of destruction to come back. John 14.10, Jesus said this, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is not something to be trifled with, my friends, and yet I think so much of the time we don't pay attention to who's in our house. Sometimes, unknowingly, we put out a big welcome mat. And then we wonder, yeah, uh uh-oh is right. And then we wonder, why do I not sense God's presence? There's no room for God. There isn't even room to hang up one of those picture collages from Target of you and God. Moments with you and God. So the question is, what's the problem? The answer is that we may be working on one level to clean house, but on the other, we're forgetting how to fill that house with that which is healthy. And that's where the second point, the solution, determine to build your home to serve God. Phil, my office has almost everything that is on the wall in my office is something to remind me of a moment of ministry. I am very particular about what I want around me if I can control that space. How many of you are like that? Right? How many of you fight over who's getting to decorate the house? The bedroom. Who, who decided what sheets and what bedspread you're having? Right? Who gets the closest spot to the bathroom? And you single people are like, I don't have any worries. It's all good. I'm staying single. Marianne is, is moving into a potential opportunity for a house. She's got to fill the thing. She's got to fill the thing. What do we do? Can I encourage you, borrow from Joshua 24, 14-28. And I'm just again going to paraphrase it. This is the famous passage and you've heard it before. Today, me and my house, we will what? We will serve the Lord. This house. And, and God says to them, you have to choose. You have to choose. Are you going to turn your eyes and your heart to worthless gods? What are you going to do, Israel? And Joshua says, today we have determined our plan, our decoration ensemble, our restoration program here says that everything around us focuses on serving the Lord. And brothers and sisters, when that happens, It is a joy for me to walk into my office. I just painted. I just changed everything around. And my favorite thing in my office is this picture of a baptism I was privileged to do. 
of a man who has passed away that many of you know, and it hangs right over every accolade I have in my life. I'm a very trophy-driven person if you haven't caught on to that. And so I have all this stuff over my desk that represents thousands of dollars that went into study and, and this, that, and the other. And you know what's, what trumps that? What to- I'm sorry I used that word. What topped all that? Purposefully, I have put a picture of Eric's baptism to remind me what every day is about. How do you decorate your house? What do you fill your house with? So that's the solution. We know what the problem is. We know the solution. Let's break this down. How do you build a solid home? You start with a contractor. How many of you, I'm not going to say, I know some, but some of you, how many of you have ever gone through a redesign or a remodel in your house? Or how many of you have ever built a house? Um, or, you know, you, had to, you got your first apartment. Think about your first apartment. You had to figure out what you're going to do and what you're going to get. And, you know, it's probably a real good idea, especially if you're going to build a house, you buy a property, you get a good contractor. How many of you have ever had a bad contractor? Right? You got to do it all over again. You got to make it all happen over again. Oh, that is so fun. It's so enlightening. It's so exciting. You see, Jesus Christ is our foundation. He's our foundation. Philippians 1.6 says, He who has begun a good work in you will be what? He will be faithful to complete it. To complete it. Have you ever suffered at the hands of a contractor you can no longer get a hold of? And they never finished the project. Some of you are thinking, that was me, actually. I just got tired of it. I, I, I have not finished painting my office. It's going on a week and a half now. I, I painted my office over break, and right behind my chair is yellow still. And I'm just leaving it as a slight reminder of, no, you have to finish what you start. Finish what you... And so, you know, as you visit my office, keep looking. See if I finish what I start. But see, Christ is doing a work in you and He will be what? He will be faithful to complete it. Start with the right contractor when you're building your home. The home of your soul. And then you will rejoice. Then you find the solution to that healthy spiritual living. Ephesians 2.10 speaks to the fact that He has created, that contractor has created works for you to do. Before you ever knew you were going to do the remodel. He has mapped out. He understands. He gets it. And He has the perfect plan on how to accomplish what is best for you. Hire the right contractor. Hebrews 12.2 Verse 1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us therefore throw off every sin that so easily entangles And let us run the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. There's your general contractor. Now let me explain those two terms since you want references, right? You should get some good references. You should know the qualifications. That word author in the Greek means a pioneer. Right? It it would be as if you hired someone like Herman Miller before he was Herman Miller. Okay? Someone who is who is the expert in the field 
And they've started a whole new thing. Somebody in our family loves watching that show, Tiny Houses. I won't say who it is, but you can guess it's not me. <laughs> they love the show, Tiny Houses. And I think part of the, the um, attraction to that is it's new. It's kind of crazy, right? And trying to fit in there. And, and it's, it's counter-cultural to this, we want everything, you know, MTV Cribs, right? Let's see how big and illustrious we can make our house. Now we're like down to tiny houses, minimalization, right? Let's get away from all of it. And it's usually people who have kayaks and bikes that are buying these houses, right? Most of them are from Berkeley. Okay. <laughs> so our general contractor, the one who does, who attends and builds that home, our soul, our spirit, that residing place of Christ, he's a pioneer. He's done some radical changes. That when you implement that, when you hire him, people take notice. There's some incredibly beautiful things he'll do in your life to make your home phenomenal. But let's look at that second word, perfecter. Let's go back to my paint job in my office. Perfecter means finisher in the Greek. How irritating to hire a general contractor that you can't get a hold of and will never finish the project. And then you hire the next one and what happens again? For some of us, we face the same thing. And so when we face another project down the road, we're asking people, you know, tell me someone who's reliable. Tell me someone who will finish the job. Jesus Christ is all about perfecting your home. The question for you and I is, did we hire Him as our contractor? So start there. You want to build a, a, a solid home? Build it on the cornerstone. We sang that, right? Build it on the cornerstone of Christ. Design. There's your second point today. Design. So you've hired your contractor, now you've got to sit down and you've got to design what the home is going to look like, right? And so you want to create a floor plan that will accomplish a strong, godly home. You heard me read already today from 1 Corinthians 3 during during our worship that simply says this no one can build on any other foundation if and here's the implication the implied thought if you want your home to stand strong if you're if you want your life to to not just survive but to thrive spiritually you cannot build on any other foundation than that of jesus christ and if you do so and if you continue to do so then you will see great work happen because the foundation is what? Is strong. Is strong. How many of you play the game Jenga? I think that's like a contractor's game probably, right? A contractor probably came up with that game. Jenga is this game where you've got all these pieces of wood. It's pretty simple, right? It's just pieces of wood, but they're stacked alternately and the key is to remove pieces and not be the one that finally, when you, when you remove your piece, everything comes crashing down? Is this not a game that is a perfect picture of what we're talking about today? Now, if you want to win at Jenga, are you taking the pieces off the top? No. Your strategy is to attack the what? The foundation. Attack the foundation. Next time you're playing Jenga, I want you to think of this message. Maybe we'll play Jenga coming up for just an illustration. Maybe you should all just go buy Jenga. Maybe I should buy stock in Jenga before you all go buy Jenga. 
But I want you to think of this point out of 1 Corinthians. Now, here's the fascinating thing. You heard it. It says, if anyone builds with materials like gold or silver or wood or hay, it says the day, which is Judgment Day, will reveal it for what it is. You know what's fascinating is you may not be able to afford gold. You may only be able to afford hay. You may not have a whole lot. But do you know that if it's on the good foundation, hay will stand? Hay will stand. But it's going to be put through, and and this is what Paul says, it's going to be put through a test. Your works, now catch this as far as your design. Because when you design your home, when I design my office, when we design our, our houses, when we think about our own selves and we apply this idea to our life, the home of our heart, do we have a plan? Do you have a plan as to the choices you will make that will then in turn reflect as to who you are? And where is that foundation? The design is integral if it's going to work. What is your design? And so the challenge this morning is thinking about as I set up the design, you want to build that design so that it doesn't what? It doesn't fail. It doesn't fail. We have a roof here that does this. Right above you, there's a big space that you can stand in and it goes like this. So when it rains, what happens? All the water gathers in two little corners. All that water from that surface area gathers in two corners. And if those drains get even the slightest bit plugged, Cindy gets dripped on. And that's why you see a continual brown spot right there and right there. Guess what? The design stinks. And Bruce and the other deacons will tell you that because they have to get up on that roof over and over and over. We had these trees right here. They looked great initially, but guess who wasn't thinking when they designed that? I don't know. I'm not going to name names. I don't know who put the trees in there, but, but trees grow big. And those trees blow pine needles. And those pine needles go up into the roof area and block the drains. And then you get a continual leak. Can we please take that concept and apply it to our lives? If we don't purposefully sit down and use God's design through Jesus Christ in our life, we're going to start leaking. We're going to start creaking. We're going to start breaking. And our homes will be a disaster. Design is important. Next, restoration. How many of you love the restoration programs? Like, that's your thing. I I kind of forbade my wife to continue watching TLC and Discovery Channel because it almost ruined our marriage. Um, You know, we were living in apartments or rental homes, and she was watching those for like five, six, seven years. And then we finally got our home. Our home. And we tried to accomplish seven seasons of those shows in three days. That is a marriage tester, my friends. It is a marriage tester. And so to this day, I was down south um, talking with some churches about their counseling programs in September. And when I'm there, I always like going by the old house. And, and the old house, we love that house. We were just talking about this last night as a family. What's your favorite house? And it's, it was this 980 square foot house. And 
it was the only house we've ever owned, and we did everything. New roof, HVAC, tore up the entire lawn for four months with a rototiller, and, and laid new main pipes and all the sprinkler system. Oops, I just told the deacons that I laid out a sprinkler system. <laughs> Bad design in the message. And uh, uh, we put in... Um, uh, a new kitchen, we put in a new bathroom, we put in hardwood floors, we put in new car. I mean, all those things you see, right? Just to the, just to the front, we, we had this beautiful view looking out over these canyons, and there were no street lights on our court. And so I built a deck. I built a deck on the front of the house. Nobody does that. Nobody builds a deck on the front. And we had the greatest nights. We had a little fire pit out there. I had speakers out there for music. We would sit and watch sunsets and, and be out there at night and see the stars and have a fire. It was great. But my design plan needed some restoration. You see, I bought all my wood and then I left on vacation. And I stored my wood in a 200-degree kiln called my garage in July. So when I got back, my support foundation wood was like this. It started like this, but it ended like this because it twisted. And I said, well, we're just going to toenail that because I don't have money to go get new wood. Do you know when I drove back down in September, what did I see on the front of my old house? No deck. No deck. Gone. Redesign. Restoration take it out because nobody has a deck on the front of their house we don't want to be those people (laughs) folks in our lives the question is what needs a restoration project in your heart in your spirit in your life this is where we really need to get into the scriptures turn to galatians 5 with me and as we're thinking about building a home that will stand that will stand on the rock and it will not have a great fall, I encourage you that just the entire chapter of chapter 5, but I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to skip forward just for the sake of time. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let me be very detailed and get straight to the point on this idea. Many of us need to go through and clean house. We need to break down some walls that we have built up that are pointless or even damaging. We need to do a repipe. We need to put in insulation. We need to maybe work on the substructure. We we were given some gifts over Christmas. This is one of those moments I have to pray in the moment and say, am I going to be this vulnerable with you? Um, You know that statement, I was thinking about putting a mirror on my TV just so I could see my family. This is an area where I struggle a little bit, probably, in, in being a little disconnected with my family. Uh, I'll come home, and I don't usually do it in the middle of the day, but if it's late at night and everybody's kind of doing things, I'll sit down and I'll, I'll pick up, you know, Sports Center, or I'll turn on um, and, and play a video game for about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. My kids are like, four hours, Dad. Um, and so we replaced... Um, our old console over Christmas. And my son was setting it up for me and we're getting everything figured out. And so my son gives me some of the games he has. And there's this one game where you just, you, you, you go all over the place and, and you're fighting demons. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. 
I don't know, and I had already started on this sermon, and I'm thinking, I don't know if this is what should be in my house. You know, I'm, by having this here, I'm inviting this. In. And then I'm reading the lyrics to A Mighty Fortress, and it's all about fighting demons, so I guess I'm okay. No, uh, just pray for me. I'm trying to figure you all like, well, I don't know about this pastor. But the idea is simply this. You know, I reveal some of the things I'm, I'm trying to figure out. We invite things into our house by our own choice. We bring things in that erode and take away from the structure of Jesus Christ. And yet we wonder why our homes are lacking. Why do our homes lack? What have we brought into our house? What have we brought into our house? And Paul says this in Galatians 5. I love this because, and you should take notes on it, because this is going to give you a perfect picture of how you should fill your house with what is good and beneficial so your house stands in the storm versus having a great fall. So first, this is what you should fill your house with. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, and I'm sorry, it actually starts out with those things that maybe we've invited in that are ruining our foundation, that are ruining our home. And he says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Have you ever judged a person off of walking into their home? Here's how you can know if you do that. If you have company coming, how hard do you work to clean things and put things away? Then you probably judge somebody when you've gone over to their house because it's in your mind. It's evident. It's evident. When you all come over to our house, we take down all the pictures we normally have and we put up all these verse pictures <laughs> all over the house. Pictures of Jesus, pictures of Michael the angel, pictures of our family praying together, wearing white robes. We, we have those. And then when it comes back, we just put up... No, we don't. That would be exhausting, but don't we do that in some, some efforts, spiritually? Right? It's exhausting. We can't stand if that's how we live our life and that's how we build our home. It's evident, Paul says. And so he says this, what have we invited in? And what do we need to get rid of? Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're doing a redesign on your house, you're doing a restoration, folks, can I just encourage you, get rid of those things that lead you into a sense of sin. Get rid of those things. Clean house from those things that are tearing away at the fabric of your foundation spiritually and your home. Now what do you do? Let's not make the mistake right out of, out of Matthew 12. We cast the demon out. Now we have a, a, a huge clean house. You have to fill it. So for those of you who like detailed, definitive information, write this down. 
And he says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. This morning, we may need to do some restoration in our homes. The home of our spirit. The home of our soul. Materials. Quality results in quality. Right? Quality results in quality. For my son, for his Christmas present, he wanted a cajon. That's this box thing that we have here that's a percussion instrument. So I went down to a music, local music store and I saw it. And for the price that they had, I'm thinking, we could build this thing and use better materials. And so I called my son up and I said, hey, how do you, how do you like woodworking? And he says, it's my life. I'm like, what? It's your life. Rich laughs because Rich, Rich helped us build it. He goes, it's not your life, Dylan. But, uh, but he's like, yeah, it's my life. And I'm like, okay, I guess I got my answer. So there's a brand new specialty wood store over here by CVS. So that was his Christmas present. We went out and we picked out good materials. And we did a lot of research to find out what wood would resonate perfectly for a good cajon. And, and he got everything the way he wanted it, except for something that makes that snare sound. He used cheap snares that we found sitting on a shelf. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So he's taking the thing and he, and he threw on a bunch of, of uh, shellac or, or varnish yesterday and then threw it in his car to go to college. And he puts it in his dorm room. In between the time that we dropped off the first thing of, of, of his kingdom, his empire, and went to his car for the second part of his kingdom and empire, I walked into the room and I nearly passed out from the smell of the varnish. And I said, that is a good way to get rid of your college roommate. Alright? You need to open your window and ventilate. But but the thing's not working right. Because the quality of the materials, some was really good. But we skimped in another area. And you know what? It affects the whole thing. It affects the whole thing. So let me encourage you. There's some specifics here. 1 Peter 1, 5-11 talks about a long list of things. And it's, it's very similar to what I just read to you out of Galatians 5. But he, ta- he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness godliness and to your godliness, you know, uh, and on and on and on he goes. But then he says, and if you do this with increasing measure, it will keep you from falling. Does that sound familiar to, the, to where we started today? Go for quality materials. Don't be cheap when it comes to building that spiritual home in your life. Quality results in quality. Let me give you three things. Three things that you can start with. Number one, the Word of God is quality. Let that be the thing which directs your decisions and sets up the design of your home. Your spiritual home. Secondly, prayer. You don't just buy a house and then never move into it or live in it, do you? Then it's not a home. But a home is a house that's been lived in, has life, is interactive, it's dynamic. Folks, you can have the Word of God, but unless you're actively participating with it, there's not a lot of use for it. It needs to take root in your life and actively participate. And the way that we do that is through prayer. In seeking God through prayer. Make it part of the quality of your home. 
your spiritual home. Next, I could go on and on and on. Steps of faith. Steps of service. Build into your life, and I'm going to finish here in just a second with what's called a family creed. Build into your life. Design into your life things that are going to demand of you that which will require the quality materials. Then the home is thriving. As opposed to just sitting back, what did you design? You designed a home that you could live in, right? We're not designing homes that we can just observe. Or we could dress up. We want a model home that we're going to move into or a model house that we're going to move into and we're going to make it a home that's quality. If you're going to have a quality home, you've got to have quality materials. Scripture, prayer, fellowship, praise, acts of service, on and on and on. How to build a solid home? Well, you always have to finish with the reveal, right? You always have to finish with the reveal. How many of you watched Chip and Joanna in their, uh, in their show and uh, on TV? Some of you are like, who's Chip and Joanna? Okay, some of you guys are into that. And it's a Christian couple that um, go and they do redesign homes and, and you know, Home Depot's making bank off of those guys. They should be invested there. And... Um, they're very outspoken about their faith. And you know, when they finish, they pull back this, this gigantic rollaway trailer poster picture of their old house, and here's this new house. It's kind of what confession and repentance does in our life to get our home right, to get it so it stands and it doesn't go through this great fall. And they walk room by room, just like my heart Christ's home. They walk room by room and they talk about the changes that they've made that God might be present. And it's an incredible change that happens. And it serves in function. It serves in a sense of appreciation and livability. And it serves as an exclamation or evidence of all the design work of a great contractor of the restoration that happened. And what does it produce? It produces a model home. Brothers and sisters, this year, I encourage you, I implore you, work on this home. Sit down and implement these five or four things so that you might have a model home. And here it comes. Here comes the application right out of family creed. Because... Having no plan is what? It's planning to fail. Failing to plan is planning to fail. Sit down and purposefully and intently examine the home of your heart and ask Christ to come do the work and prayerfully and with quality materials ask the Lord to come in and do a restoration project if needed and to clean house. By the way, it takes courage, doesn't it? I love that on some of the shows, right? They put a big sledgehammer in the person's hand, and they're supposed to take down, like, the bathroom, right? And, and when we moved into that house, we had that wonderful mirror with the gold fleck running through it. You guys know that. It, it was the great statement of the 70s. And it was in, across from floor to ceiling across our entire living room wall. And Janine and I got a tire iron, 
and we pride on glass. That makes all the sense in the world, right? My point is courage, but I think it's moving and trending towards stupidity. But we would talk and I would say, when I tell you, you move, because we'd have the thing out from the wall by like three inches and it's still hanging on for dear life. You know, sometimes God hands you a sledgehammer and says, tear it down. It takes courage, doesn't it? It takes courage. But what do you want? You want a model home? Or do you just want a fixer-upper that's barely going to make it? This morning, you've been given the tools on how to attend to your home. Make every effort in 2017 to have a home that is evident that Christ is the cornerstone. Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer this morning. And uh, as we gather uh, shortly after this, we're having a, a congregational meeting. It's our annual meeting. It's the most important meeting of the year. So we bought you food. Plus, it's raining outside. You don't want to go out there. It's really, really cold and scary. And, and so we're going to pray that that changes. Um, but especially if you're a member, we're voting on our budget today. And then you're going to hear some forward thinking about where we're going, what we want to do, what we believe God is doing in our church this coming year and celebrating some of the things that he has done already this past year. So let me go ahead and pray this morning. If you've brought your gifts and your offerings, thank you so much. Those go in the box on the back left um, as you're uh, leaving today. And then you can hear how your gifts go towards uh, making the message of Christ and the light and life of Christ reach people and encourage and change their homes. So let me close in prayer. Father, You are glorious. You are all-powerful. And You are worthy to be praised. You demand from us that we don't go halfway. That we don't... um, That we're not sloppy, Father, in our spirituality. You desire the best for us. You want the best home for us. And so You've given us Your Son. I pray, Lord, as we've heard these words today, that that we are about building homes that will stand on the rock and that when the storm comes, there won't be leaking. There won't be creaking. But that it will stand and be evident to all that You are to be praised. Thank You, Father. Receive our gifts. Use them for Your glory. Work in our hearts and lives this week. We pray for those that have specific needs. Let them uh, share those with uh, the leadership here. And we pray that you would work on their behalf to meet those needs this week. We praise you for meeting the needs uh, throughout this week, Lord. To you be the glory, Lord. Amen.